target. Maximum firepower. Welcome to the Brace for Impact podcast, where we tell you how to be better at Star Wars Armada. Today, we're going to analyze our last battle report, discuss deployment and activation advantage, and do some speculation on cards that could benefit from upcoming points changes. So to get us started, uh, we're going to cover the battle report that we just posted on YouTube, which is Red October versus the Fleet of Justice, which is match five, and uh, that was played on the most wanted objective. Uh, what did you think of this game? Uh, why would you say that? You know I hated this game. This game was fucking awful. I, I ran the same list I ran in our previous match. And it, this one was just like... I, I just used like all of its juice or something. It was like I was I was riding a car that had no more gas in it. It was like depleted. This was like a depleted list that I flew. What do you mean when you say depleted? I just couldn't fucking do anything. It's like I would I would get a juicy shot off on my onager. I'd roll dice. I'd get like five damage with no accuracies, and I'm like, all right, I'll just uh, tap entering enters, reroll all of them, and then I get like two accuracies and three damage. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What am I supposed to do with this? And also like. During the game, uh, well, because you saw in our previous match the like turn one shenanigans where I boost up with Ozzel, do the thing with Cataclysm, and and lay down an ignition token, and hit you right. on turn one, and you did not let that fucking happen this time. It was so yeah, the the this game was played like chronologically after match four, um, and so realizing that you wanted to put your ignition token in front of some of my ships uh number number one this list has a much better deployment than the previous list that i played just because like having the squadrons having uh the 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 list like not placing cr90s you know i'm placing two a-wings i'm placing you know uh, a millennium falcon and an x-wing like this is forcing kind of the game to go a little bit better in my direction because I placed more ships later in the deployment phase than I did in the previous game. Yeah, this was one where, like, you just had more deployment uh, advantage than I did, and you also did something that really, like... No, no, it, it wasn't this game that you put the GR-75 down later because you don't have any GR-75s in it, but, but you put your, no. your MC-30 down first. And that kind of yeah. like took me back because I was like, why aren't you putting your, your cheaper ships? Why are you putting the one you have like foresight on? But now I realize after shooting like like one onager shot at, at foresight, it, it has the um it can affect an additional die with this evade. Yeah. So it can evade like three dice at long range or um, extreme range from the onager. So you put that down as your target. So even if I do get a hit, it's not doing any fucking damage. Right, yeah, I mean, it was basically like a distraction for the rest of my fleet to be in a better position. I lay MC-30 foresight down. And then you, the uh, three deployments of uh, squadrons, and then by, by yeah. then I had everything. So then Onager on has field. to deploy across from foresight. And yeah, 
at extreme range. You're still, I think, red extreme range, so you're only rolling four dice, and I can cancel three of them with a single evade token. <laughs> so I, I wasn't really concerned at all about the Onager coming at Foresight. Later, when Foresight started attacking the Assault Frigate, I think there was no reason it should have lived. <laughs> oh, you mean no when, when the Onager started attacking the Assault Frigate? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Assault Frigate should have died probably on turn four. And the fact that it didn't and survived the entire game, like, I, I don't think it dying though. on turn four would have swung the game in your favor, but it would have made the rest of the game more difficult for me, you know, not being able to throw blacks with Yavaris at the Raider, not being able to swap my reds for blues against the Onager on the MC-30. Like, a lot of that stuff becomes more difficult. Um, and on top of that, like, by turn four, you've lost multiple ships. I haven't lost any, and I just have this incredible activation advantage on top of it. Yeah, the activations were like... I, I was at like a point, like at around turn three, when like none of your ships had died yet, where I was like, why am I not having... Like I had no good like decisions to do. Like any decision mm -hmm. I had, it's like, oh yeah, but that puts you like... At range one of the MC thirty. So do you really want to activate that right now before the MC thirty is activated? And it's yeah. like, oh well if you don't activate your onager right now, you miss your ignition shot. So you can't, you know, turn in with your raider and activate that first, because then you'll miss obviously you'll move the, the assault frigate out of the way. It was just like every every move I made, I was like this is better than my other choice, but still shitty. It's still shitty. Yeah. Th there were a couple of things that I'm sure re-watching the game, you'd be like, well, considering how it turned out, maybe I should have done X or Y or Z, but some of that is like Monday morning quarterback. Like, yeah, you couldn't have known that this dice roll would have been so bad that it actually wouldn't have killed its target. So, like, I think... You shot two times into the broadside of the Assault Frigate with the Onager. And didn't kill it. It like only black dice, And it didn't oh. die. Yeah, yeah, it was... I was, like, really stressed. I think at one point I interrupted the video to show you that my watch had told me my heart rate was above 120 for, like, more than 10 minutes. I remember um, that, yeah. Hilarious. I was like, I can't believe it's still alive, and then I can't believe that it didn't fly off the board both of those turns it, that it almost fought. it was yeah it, it was the luckiest game that i've ever played in terms of rolling dice and things working out the way that they should um part of that was just how hard i would have liked the, the dice rolling to have like been spread out among your ships a little bit and not just get nuked by like a, what was it eight damage assault frigate i felt pretty good it was ridiculous I wish that it had happened more on my ships that I attached APT to, but I mean, you know. I don't really run can't... against people that run APT a lot, and you don't run APT a lot, so I really don't see it. That does not feel yeah. good to go against. That, I don't. I don't like playing against someone who has APT. That's that doesn't feel good. Have I been doing this to people all all this time? It feels horrible, dude. <laughs> the when, worst when, fucking like, thing. That moment when you pulled the crit on your Onager, which still had many shields left, and it took away your ability to shoot at obstructed targets, which, like, in that moment in the video, you're like, I think you just won the game because that crit prevented you from shooting my Hammerhead, prevented you from shooting my Assault Frigate. 
it prevented the two targets that were possibly able to be shot at by the onager to do any damage. It was just like, no, you can't shoot them anymore. It's terrible. It was honestly the worst. Which took a lot of the decision making away from you in terms of like, what are the good decisions I can make? Like, yeah, because like my, crit, my like, idea was like, okay, we'll just punch through the hammerhead. Like that's not even an issue. I had most wanted on it. So I would roll another mm -hmm. dice um, and then just truck through the debris field. Like it doesn't matter. Place the ignition, catch the assault frigate. And then we're in a good spot. I mean, not the best, but it's better than what fucking happened. Right, yeah. That crit took the game from like, who's going to win? I'm not really sure. It's really close. And once you pulled it, I was like, there's no way he wins this game now. No. It's over. Uh, yeah, I was like, I was looking at it and I was like, now I can't do anything. Like, like it's it's gone. And then literally the next round, I think the Onager dies. Yeah. It was, it was... It's interesting because we, we analyzed, I believe, APT versus ACM, haven't we? No, we haven't done um, Ordnance yet. We should probably do Ordnance When we next. do it, when we do it, remind me to talk about the X factor of APT that it can just randomly pull a crit that wins you a game. Dude, APT is the X factor card. You know, ACM's never going to pull a random crit that wins you the game. Like, no. And people are always like, oh, you, you do two damage. But APT is so much better than doing two damage. Yeah. Crits are really bad. Especially if you have first For the person player. pulling them. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to share about this game? Because, like... I just want... I want to, the record to show that I've already changed the Red October list so that shit like this never happens again. What'd you do? Put Vader on it? No. I put fucking <laughs> H9s and changed it to a Star Destroyer. Oh, so it's not a Red October list anymore. It's like a new list. No, no. It's it's the same kind of, kind of shit. It's just adjusted shit so that I'll how always be able be, to get an how... H9. How could it be the same shit? It's you, you said you changed it to a Star Destroyer. You mean no, an Onager, Onager Star, Star Destroyer? Destroyer? Yeah. Oh, I was like, what? Okay, so it's okay, so it's an Onager Star Destroyer. Because there's because there's Onager test bed and an Onager Star Destroyer. Yeah, with H nines. But where did all? And I guess you took points away somewhere else. So yeah, I changed. Um, I took away one of the Intel officers. And replaced it with a Vader officer. And then. I changed Thrawn to Ramadi. Interesting. Yeah. And that's where I got all the points. So same ships except for the Onager's now the Onager Star Destroyer. So I've got blues. If I don't get the accuracy, I H9 it. If I have too many accuracies, I can use Varnillion and swap them. So I think it'll work out a little bit better. Because this Onager was just, it was yeah. whiffing too hard. Yeah, it was. Unlucky dice for you, lucky dice for me, I think, is a lot of that game too. Yeah. But, I mean, sometimes you get lucky with dice. Sometimes your assault frigate rolls eight damage into the side of a freaking Architans. That was... And you delete it next turn. Sometimes... <laughs> bro, that assault frigate did so much damage to that game. Like, it was just, it was like pretending to be Demolisher, you know? Yeah, like the, the Sato stuff. Sato seems really cool. I like that commander. He's super fun when he works. Yeah. And, like, your list having no squadrons really let me play around with sato a mm -hmm. lot um it it feels like a list with a really really high skill cap like 
the whole time I was playing it and even afterwards I was like okay yeah I tabled this imperial list hard but I feel like I could have flown it better yeah. and I didn't feel like like even though I lost with the previous list with the CR90s and the Mon Califrica and I was like yeah I can definitely play that better but I didn't feel like like excited about trying to play yeah. it better if that makes sense like I felt excited to like fly this list again and like you know trigger sato more frequently um position my ships better and stuff yeah. like that so it it, it is a, it, sato is super cool and he's definitely i i did um a list in ryan kingston's cause obviously i don't have any rebel ships um but a sato list that used um wedge antilles officer i think that's really cool to like counter if someone has like a small cluster of like rogues and other squadrons to try and tie up your stuff you can cloak them, get them out of the way for next turn. Wedge Antilles Officer, huh? Before the end of the squadron phase, you may spend a squadron token to choose up to three friendly non-unique squadrons without strategic. They gain cloak. Right. Wedge Antilles counters a squadron ball designed to stop Sato, yeah. right? And it also yeah. gives you um, some good repositioning on your ships or your uh, your squadrons. Because distance one is is much further than all the other uh, range bands. Yeah, he's super cool. He's super cool. The the only other thing I was thinking about potentially for this list in terms of changes was finding a way to get Kanan in there. Oh, with the raid. Yikes. He already has cloak. Mm-hmm. Right. And rogue, and. He's got Assault as well, right? And he's got his ability, which is while attacking a ship, you spend a die with a crit icon to give it a raid token. He rolls two blues against ships, double brace, double blue and a red against squadrons. Like, seems like a really cool... Only He's the same cost as Janowars. He's not, like, outrageously expensive, yeah. too. Seems really cool. And he's got the best version of raid in the game, I think. Where, um... Because yep. all, all other raid uh, squadrons, they have to spend a hit... To do raid, he can spend a crit, which is substantially better. Because crits do nothing against ships. What's crazy is it's both, actually. He can spend a hit and he can spend a crit. No. Right, because he has the assault keyword as well. Wait, is that how that works? Yeah, because he has assault, which says while attacking a ship, you can spend a die with a hit. If you do, they gain a raid token of your choice. It, but his card text also says while attacking a ship, you may spend a die with a crit. If you do, the defender gains a raid token of your choice. So oh shit, that's you could right. roll two block two. Yeah, you could give two raid tokens in a oh, single wow, shot. Oh wow, that's fucking insane. All you have to do is not get an accuracy, which I'm fantastic at not getting accuracies. So well, I mean, if you run Kanan with, uh, if you have Tor and Far in your list, you basically get two raids each time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't stack raid tokens, yeah. but I mean, shutting down the two best commands. I mean, that's pretty fucking good. That's really cool. Yeah. Also with Rogue. Seems pretty busted. Right. I don't know who you would swap out though for for Kanan in your in your list. Well, considering he has Rogue, it makes it pretty flexible. But it's something to think about for sure. Like it could be um, maybe Shara, Gold Squadron, Gold Squadron maybe. Because that's like, but Gold Squadron is a little bit cheaper, so I'd need to squeeze somewhere I mean, else. You too. had Rogue Squadron oh, in there. It's something right? I'm gonna. Yeah. I would maybe do Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Maybe. Take out a, an upgrade somewhere that wasn't super useful. I'm looking maybe at yeah. It, there's a lot of options, but 
we'll we'll figure it out. We'll we'll get a version two of Fleet of Justice here pretty soon. All right, you want to talk about uh, deployment? Yeah, let's talk about deployment then. Yeah, so we got a request from uh, Bill on YouTube. Uh, Bill asked a question. Basically, he said, the biggest part of my game is deployment and activation advantage, both in deployment and during the game. Do you think about deployment and activation advantage when making your list? Do you have any thoughts about deployment and activation advantage? Well, well firstly, to answer this question, yes. Yeah, the short answer is... We do think about it. It's this. one of the main things that I'm thinking yeah. about, for sure. It's a great question, Bill. Thanks for, thanks for asking. It's, it's deployment, activation advantage, and the objective cards. Those are the three things I'm thinking about. Because like any right. other question, like, oh, well, how do I do damage? How can my ships survive? Those come after. Like, if you don't right. have a good deployment, you're never doing damage. It, also, if you don't have activation advantage, your ships can't survive, and you won't do damage. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, we thought a lot about this question, and we could almost make two or three analysis segments on, on I mean, this. We'll probably talk about more of these topics. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure we could just do one on like obstacles and setup and and each one. But we're we're gonna try and do our best to to kind of summarize what we can. So like, when I'm making a list, all right, a lot of times it will come from like from the beginning will be. You know, maybe I want to pl fly a particular commander. So like when I made the Fleet of Justice, I was like, I want to make a Sato list. The next thing I look at is, are there any ship archetypes that I want to bring um, that I find interesting or fun? So I really wanted Foresight and I really wanted Salvation. And the interaction between Salvation and Sato is essentially why I created the Fleet of Justice list, right? I wanted to throw black dice at long range out of a out of a nebulon that would give me like insane damage if i get hit crit on the black die right didn't really happen for me that game yeah because because salvation's um black dice the hit crits three do right three damage. so i was like if yeah. i can concentrate in and roll three black and a red like there's some really crazy numbers you can get in terms of damage at long range right the next thing i think about is okay how do i fill out my list and what pieces do i need to make everything work and what objectives complement that, right? So when I'm building, right, like there are, an, you want an even number of squadrons, number one, because each two pair of squadrons gives you another deployment. And it's a deployment that I think is far better than even having another ship. Because when you deploy, two squadrons it's it's almost like a pass on deployment mm -hmm. and the the goal with deployment is i want to deploy as many of my ships as late as possible in the deployment phase and the more important the ship is to my game the later i want to deploy it yeah right so and to see this this driven to its extreme, like if you look at superior positions or solar corona, the first player must deploy all of his ships and squadrons before the second player, right? This is like an objective of the game. If you can deploy as many of your squad as your ships later and later and later, you are setting yourself up with an advantage for the rest of the game that is sometimes insurmountable for the other player. Yeah, I would say like 
a lot of games that I've played, uh, some people will, will ask me, like, okay, like, that was fun, like, what can I do better next time? Or, like, where did I go wrong here in the game? Like, why did I lose so bad? And I was like, you lost before turn one. You lost in deployment. Yep. You, you can't always guarantee a win by deploying your ships correctly, but you can for sure lose the game if you deploy them poorly. Yeah. Um, for an example of how to lose the game in deployment, um, you can look at our match, I think, Suicide Squad Strikes Back. Um, I don't think we called I it deployed... Suicide Squad tri- Strikes Back, and now I don't trust your, your titles anymore. Or is it Strikes Again? Yeah, I think it's Suicide Squad it's Strikes Suicide Back. Suicide right? Squad Rides Again. Why isn't it Suicide again. Squad Strikes Back? I wanted to actually avoid the Empire Strikes Back uh, like parallel there. I wanted to be a little bit more what? unique, but maybe I was wrong. This is um, a Star anyway. Wars game. Anyway, anyway, I lost that game in deployment. And whatever else happened after deployment, no matter how well I played if you had handed me like the, the board state at turn one, if I had flown against Suicide Squad five times, I don't think I could have come up with a win. All right, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at the start of the game. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see what you're talking about. Yeah. If you want to see like deployment that's almost insurmountable, match three Suicide Squad Rise again is a perfect picture. Um, so if we just go to the end of setup, right, we're looking at like turn one, beginning of turn one, right, like four minutes, 40 seconds into the game, right? Okay, so on, Ch- on Chandler's side of the board, on the Imperial side of the board, you have demo, two Architons, two Raiders, all squatted up in the, in the bottom left corner of the screen. In the top of the screen, you have my ridiculously bad deployment, which is... An assault frigate pointed left to right, two MC-30s, a hundred miles away in the middle of the board, and a GR-75 in the middle, kind of like a moron, with with four YT-2400s. Now, one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. I had a deployment advantage in this game. I actually had plus one deployment, and... The Empire was first player, so I actually placed both MC-30s last here, right? And I still lost deployment because I just had the wrong idea in my head of how this fight was going to go down and how much time I had uh, to get the kill. Even deploying those MC-30s at speed 4, which I didn't, but even if I had, they were never close enough to the battle to have a significant impact before the game was decided. If I had placed them in between the GR-75 and the MC or in the um and the assault frigate, it's a completely different game. I think it's a game that I lose. Like if, if you put those two MC30s like between the assault frigate and the GR-75, or I, I would have like, you know, with hindsight, I would have put them uh, on the left side of the assault frigate like right up against your deployment right the assault frigate a little bit more toward the center of the board with the mc-30s kind of between it mm-hmm. and the enemy would have been the change i would make you know playing this exact same matchup again and having perfect knowledge like the token would actually be kind of because I, I believe i placed the token mm-hmm. as well 
the token kind of goes directly below or to the right of the space station with the assault frigate kind of in the same scenario to yeah. it. And then the MC-30s are where the assault frigate is. They kind of screen the enemy away. The assault frigate gets away. It doesn't die like it does in this game. Spoiler alert if you haven't watched it. Everything on my side of the board effectively dies in, in rapid succession, starting with the assault frigate carrying the VIP. If it had been placed better, that, that game becomes totally different. So, you know, if you wanna if you wanna see me squander deployment advantage, check out Suicide Squad Rides again. Another example of poor deployment, I think, was match four, Red October versus Alliance Home Fleet. And now this was less of a mistake on my part and more of one player came into this game with a vision in their head of how they wanted the game to go. Wow, honestly though, the video quality between match three and match four is really crazy. striking. It's <laughs> like, oh my God, this looks so uh, good. <laughs> I've never like done them back to back like that before. Um, the Imperial player, again, a tight formation of their ships. I have learned since match three tight formation of my ships and you see as deployment goes i believe your onager goes down pretty late in deployment yeah. here you have one two three four five i have one two three four five six you have first player so i should have done better at deploying but i didn't so you have a vision in your head you said when i drop this onager it's going to be directly across the board from as many cr90s as i can possibly put it I'm going to move forward right away. I'm going to drop a token, my ignition token, as close to them as I can. And I'm going to nuke the ever-living crap out of one of these CR-90s before it can run away. Because yeah. you have first player, right? So you get all of these stacked advantages all in one. Right? This is the benefit of um, having a plan right, with your list. This is what it's going to do. This is, you know, Even if it's not the most meta list, if you have in your head like, this is what I want my list to do on turn one, two, three. You know, you're gonna beat the snot out of a player flying a metal list who doesn't really know what they want it to do. Or or where to put their ships on the map. Yeah, in this case, I the correct answer was actually more for me to spread out the CR nineties or this is tougher. This is not as clear cut like I made the wrong move because my list was designed to keep the CR90s near home one for the accuracy advantage of home one flipping their die to accuracy mm -hmm. all the time, combined with TRC for getting like basically three hits in an accuracy, three hits in an accuracy, three hits in an accuracy. Like that was the vision for the list. It was just countered by the splash damage version of the Onger list. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunate. I didn't do this super, super well. Now, Match five is like me winning deployment. And you can see, let's see, beginning of round one, but four minutes and 40 seconds. I was able to place one, two, three sets of squadrons, an even number, boom. Right after Foresight goes down, you know, ba basically the difference here is you place a ship, I place Foresight. You place a ship, I place two squadrons. You place a ship, I place two squadrons. You place a ship, I place two squadrons. Then you're placing the onager, right? And I get one, two, three bonus ships to place. This felt rough. This felt really bad. Because 
I kept basically everything away from the onager. And the important part for this, this whole thing is my onager is like the centerpiece of the list. It's got the Oslo shenanigans right. and everything. And if you look at the deployment, if I move the onager and I pick it up and I put it on the left where your ships are, <laughs> your assault frigate, your hammerhead, yeah. and your nebulon now aren't there anymore. They're somewhere else in a better right. position, and I'm still out of position. Right, and I forced this to happen through deployment advantage. Now, talking about your squadrons and using them to your advantage, how important is it that it's an even amount of squadrons? Well, I mean, it's not the end of the world. If you have a really like strong list that you like and it has seven squadrons, right? Like, okay. But that seventh squadron isn't helping you in turn zero. He can't come out until all of the ships are placed. So he's not forcing a ship onto the board earlier. I would I would go I've a little harder on that, and I would say if you have a seventh you would say squadron, it's yeah, yeah, I would say if you have a seventh squadron, it's like if that's like a Tie Fighter, like nine points, you should take one of your more expensive ships and split it into another ship, add another ship in there, so you have an even eight. I would say it's that important. Yeah, and this this is this is a fleet. Uh, the fleet of justice is a seven deployment fleet, right? Whereas you have a one, two, three, four, five deployment fleet. Coupled with first player meant I had three ships to place at the end for free. How many ships would you say is average for coming into deployment with? How many ships or how many deployments? How many deployments? I would say like four to six is average. I think, I think if you want to come into a game feeling confident that whatever list you go up against, you're going to have a deployment advantage, you want seven or eight deployments. Mm -hmm. Because I agree with you that typically people are bringing six, five or six. Four is kind of spooky low. The only time you see four is for a list that um, has a big honking heavy boy. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Because like my conspiracy ISDs, a double ISD list, it, it has four deployments. And that's that right. feels and low. that's about as low that's about as low as you can go um does it have strategic it does. advisor no, that doesn't really right help. because because yeah, i need the activation advantage yeah not it doesn't help you in deployment but you know getting into activation you know we'll get into that in a minute but you have to make up for it somewhere yeah yeah I, i'm so low on activation that i have to make up in some way to, to have another activation in there imagine how unhelpful um strategic advisor would be on my list right like I have plenty of deployments, plenty of activations. I don't need to buffer this mm -hmm. anymore. I would say if you're lower than four, you're doing something wrong. If you're, if you're lower than four, like if you're doing a three ship list, because that's basically the only way to get lower yeah, than like, four. Um, like what do you, I don't, I don't know. Consider like, a four ship yeah, consider list. Consider something else. Consider, consider two squadrons. Like, like it, it would only be for like SSDs disgustingly over over budgeted starhawks or like a crazy isd list like a single like i don't i can't even imagine one that would be no. competitive enough to make up for the fact that you're losing the deployment if you have if you have just three deployments your list is probably bad somewhere even if you're running it's an probably SSD. Get... if you're run, running an ssd and you don't have more than three deployments and 
you like go in, you have like one SSD and you're like, this is my Christmas tree. It's going to go in there and smash face. You're probably going to lose the game. Try thinning the number of upgrades on your ships. The reason I was able to get the six squadrons in was because I had to tear my own heart out and take Spinal off of Salvation. I think I took Spinal off in Intel Officer, which was originally on Salvation, and I just ran Salvation just title yeah. to get to six squadrons. It was it was that critical to me to have enough squadrons to fend off enemy squadrons. Other, you know, if if the Imperial player had brought a Sloan list and I only brought four squadrons, guess what? Sato, waste of points. He becomes effectively yeah. useless. So I had to bring enough squadrons to not necessarily win every squadron battle because I don't think that these squadrons would do that but to exist long enough for Sato to do his thing mm -hmm. uh, that's about all I've got to say at the moment about standard deployment 7 to 8 deployments I think is really strong if 4, four of those are, are, are ships, 4 or more that's really strong um, and definitely think about it from the list creation process, adjusting your list to get to those eight deployments, seven, eight, you know, nine, I think is sometimes pushing it. Because, but, it, you know, that's like MSU list territory or, or um, you know, bomber wing, like 134 points of squadrons territory, um, which is, is reasonable, but it's, it's a unique scenario. You know, like I think every list really wants seven or eight deployments. Yeah. But there are some objectives which, which really twist deployment and make a list possible that might not be otherwise. And then there are some that have drawbacks. Mm -hmm. Speaking to drawbacks specifically, I when Fighter Ambush came out, I was originally like, this is so freaking thematic. It seems so cool. I want to make a fighter, like a, a squadron list and, and attach this objective to it. Fighter Ambush saying, before deploying fleets, the second player sets aside all his squadrons. After deploying fleets, the second player deploys all his squadrons. Each squadron can be placed as normal or at distance one of an obstacle, but all must be beyond distance five of the first player's edge. And then there's a special rule when a squadron attacks a ship. If the ship was dealt a damage card, then you get a 15-point victory. Token. Sounds like the dream. Seems cool. That, that is so right? thematic. It's, like, it, it's so good. Wow. You know, give... Give me a bunch of squadrons and let them start just like harassing the enemy ships on like turn one, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, like you could think of like, oh, I want to list with like uh, boosted comms and a couple of GR-75s with bomber command center. And like, I want to start just like attacking his ships on turn one, turn two, like really like dealing the damage. I, I don't like this card for, for heavy squadron I think list. it's bad for having squadron lists. Because, like, it takes your... One of my favorite things about flying a bunch of squadrons is chuckling on my side of the board as the enemy has to drop a 100-point ship and I drop two 12-point squadrons and then say, your turn. <laughs> I, it says, if, if this had said, instead, after deploying fleets, this card would be incredible. Yeah. If it was set up after deploying fleets, that means you do the whole deployment thing. You have all your squadrons boosting up your deployments. Then you take them off the board and redeploy them in the middle. Wow. That card is suddenly incredible objective. But because 
a 134-point fleet is typically not going to be an MSU list. It's typically not going to have seven ships also. <laughs> it's going to have three. It's going to have four. Now you're a three or four deployment fleet going up against a normally four to six deployment fleet, mm -hmm. losing deployment, getting a poor position compared to your enemy. And then you're deploying your squadrons in the middle of the board too far away to command from your ships. Or they're still close enough to command from your ships. And <laughs> like you can normally play squadrons at distance two from your ship. But a ship can only command a squadron without boosted comms at distance three effectively, right close to medium range. So this whole objective is literally just deploy your squadrons one distance further than normal or deploy them so far away from your ships that they they can't do anything. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's, it seems so bad to me. It seems so bad to me. And the special rule of squadrons giving you victory tokens doesn't make up for the deployment loss. No. It just doesn't. So avoid that. Deployment's too important. That. It's bad at big squadron balls. I think it's good yeah. for a small amount of rogues or just like all rogues. Mm -hmm. But you still get fucked on deployment and I think I would choose a different objective if I had a squadron like that. If you have a bunch of rogues, um, and by a bunch I mean like four or six, nothing Yeah, like more. not a, not a 134 points. Less than less than like uh, less than a hundred points for sure. More like eighty, mm -hmm. like four YT twenty four hundreds, right? Like then this becomes interesting because you still have enough points to run enough deployments to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, I still think a list like that has better objectives it can fly yeah. for yellow. So, yeah, I agree. Like once you once you're running a list like that, you have better objectives. Um, another one that gives you negative deployment is fleet ambush. Well, not it really. Negative, it's like a negative effect to your deployment. I don't really think this like gives you kind of an advantage because I've I've. It's just because you can't deploy squadrons. Yeah, that sucks. Right, no squadrons, and then, like, I was actually thinking about this, and I was kind of afraid you would pick it. I feel like this is a, a second player trap card. I don't feel like this is good for second player. I would I would have taken away my squadrons. So now it's only four deployments. Mm -hmm. So I can't out deploy you with 75% of my fleet. And then every odd numbered deployment, you can stick at basically red range of my fleet. I mean, closer than that. Scary. The ambush zone Scary, is really dude. close, dude. Like, it's yeah. So it's like almost blue range. If you really push it up against it, right? Like, you can be very close. You can be right um, in their in their shit at black range at the start of round two. And the problem with that, yep. with this whole card, is that you're second player and I'm first player. So now I'm in your yep. entire fleet, and I just get to to eat you up. Right. And then then what you, what can you do? And the the other problem is like. We got to talk about objectives soon because I need to talk about what objectives are good to take and which ones are traps like this. Because this is a total trap card yeah. for people who are our second player. Like you have to have a very concrete plan for fleet ambush if you're taking it and you want a second player. If, if you're taking fleet ambush, you need a ship that can beat the hell out of any ship that they put in the ambush zone. Yeah. 
You need like, a real brawler. Ship. Like you're not afraid. You're not afraid of a Avenger getting dropped in the ambush zone. If you're not afraid of Avenger getting dropped in the ambush zone, take fleet ambush. If you if you are afraid of that, burn this card. Yeah, just <laughs> don't even have it. Like it. It's real. Yeah. That's really the danger. If if you can look at this card and say, okay, on turn two, Avenger boarding troopers is at black range of my best ship. And you're not worried about that? Take Fleet Ambush and you're good to go. It's hilarious because it would almost be a better card. I mean, and by almost, I mean, like, there's a 90% chance this is a better card if it was almost reversed, where it said the second player must deploy ships within the ambush zone on his odd number deployment turns. Because that's an advantage, yes. That's an advantage for second player. If he builds his list to take advantage of it, he can say, well, now if you take this, my Avenger is eating your lunch turn two, right? My Starhawk is mixing it up with your entire fleet turn one, right? Like, people are afraid to take that yeah, card. Yeah, this, this one, I see it, and it's like an out for first player. Like, if I have a really yeah. good brawling The ambush zone is so big that it just, like, oh, no. Don't take this card, please. Uh, next one is Hyperspace Assault. I love this card. I'm going to start putting it in more of my fleets. However, it ha does have negative deployment. Before deploying fleets, the second player, aka you, set aside a smaller medium ship and up to three squadrons. Pick two. Um, he does not deploy them during setup. He places three objective tokens. And then you can kind of deploy it at the start of any round after the first round at one of those token locations. And the first player gets to move the tokens, or the second player can move the tokens distance one every turn. So you can kind of try to keep them relevant. But you lose up to up to two deployments. You lose doing this objective card. However, I I actually think this is one of the negative deployment cards that, with the right idea in your head of what you're going to do, this card can make up for it. What do you think? I mean, I, I like this card. It's a cool one, but like. You have to remember your second player. Like, if, if you right. have a black die ship, you need to have it deploy in a way where you're, like, you hyperspace it in, it, it will still get it shot. You can't put it up against the ship, like, right at the back really close, and think you're still going to hit it because it's not going to be there when it's your turn to activate. Uh, but it's a good, it's a good objective. Right. I don't think it's like the best to take as far as defensive objectives go, but like, it's all right. You have to be running. It, see, it's kind of restrictive. You have to be running one smaller medium ship, mm -hmm. and like, you can also do it for squadrons. But I don't like that because it's, again, it's taking away from your, your deployment advantage. Like, if you do, a small ship and three squadrons, you're really fucking yourself. I, well, there are, so mm, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Number one, if you take Hyperspace Assault, you should also bring Bale. What does Bale do again? you should plan on, Bale's the one that lets you pick a turn to activate that ship first. Okay. Now, the problem with what you said is that's not how Bale works. What do you mean? After deploying feeds, you may place one round token on this card at the start of the ship phase. If you are the second player, you must activate. If you are the first player, you may gain up to two command tokens of your choice. Yep, you cannot resolve this card's effect if that ship is is set aside. So that doesn't work. Are you yeah. serious? Damn. Okay. Well, that's trash. Also, it's also trash because 
Bale says medium or large only, and hypersize assault says small or medium so only. Only the so assault frigate. The only frigate. thing a rebel can do is bring an assault frigate, which is not the card you want to hyperspace assault. You want to hyperspace assault, and I know we're not analyzing these objective cards right now, but you want to bring an MC30. You want to bring a Liberty. I actually think you want to bring a Corvette A or or like, I think you want to bring a, a red dice ship. Hammerhead. hammerhead. Yeah. You want to bring a hammerhead with Geralt's honor. And start just smashing shit. That's from actually behind. a good idea. Hammerhead with Geralt's honor, like, and you just put it like right in front of them, and you're like, "All right, hit me. I want you to hit me." There's a couple more deployment ones. We're gonna talk about. Superior wait, 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 no, no, no. Did we did we talk about surprise attack yet? Was I not there for that? No, we're gonna get. To we're that. getting to surprise. Oh, put that. it first because I want to talk yeah. about it first. Okay, okay. Surprise attack. Second player places the the station at one to five of the first player's edge. Uh, while deploying fleets, the first player must deploy their flagship before deploying any other ships. The flagship must overlap the station, and it must be at a speed no greater than half of the maximum rounded up. Uh, so if it's a speed 3 ship 2, if it's a speed 4 ship 2, if it's a speed 2 ship 1. After deploying fleets, the second player places three face-down command dials in a stack on this card. Um, and the first player is receiving raid tokens based on the command dials that you place at the start of the first three turns. Which actually seems like the best part of this card um because that's a lot of freaking raid tokens no 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 see see i really really like this card i think this is a sneaky way of giving your list a really incredible act uh deployment advantage like we've been talking a lot about negative advantage for deployment this is a really good way of giving yourself positive advantage for yeah. deployment yeah because it's their flagship they have to deploy it first because yep their commanders on that ship and then so now every single thing that you drop on the board you know where the flagship is incredible and yeah. the raid is i think is like a bonus because it's like a mystery raid you do it at the start of the ship phase so they can't really like if they don't have the right token they can't do anything i think it's a really good card like do you just stack three nav tokens on this yeah, ship that's what i would do on and then, because then their flagship, let's say it's an ISD, it's starting at two maximum, mm -hmm. and it can't speed up for three. That's turns. devastating. <laughs> yeah, it can't get the extra yaw. It can't slow down. It can't speed up. It's just going to, and kind of awkwardly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about this against an ISD flagship. Like whatever list you're running, you can match those raid tokens too. Like if you like if I was running right. Sato, it could have been um, uh, no, no concentrates because you were doing that a lot to me and it was trivial. But if if I was flying, if yeah, if you're fighting a slow list, right? Like suddenly that's three squadron commands and like now their entire fleet. I think it's each of the ships gains a raid token. Their entire fleet can't squadron command for three turns. It's devastating. Holy shit, that's a that's a dead slow yeah. list, right? Like, how does it recover? Like because on slow you want to hit on turn two at least with those. Interceptors. Yeah, at some point we need to talk about objectives more, but in terms of activation advantage, this is great positive activation advantage. Yeah. Especially consider it's not just like a ship, right? It's the flagship. Their num their their boy, the one that if you kill, like all of their ships get weaker. Like if they, if they have an ISD, some small ships, and a couple gazantes, let's say they have six deployments, and the ISD goes down first, man, that's such a huge advantage. Knowing where the ice yeah, is. Yeah, to be fair, they'll never pick yeah. it. But. but that's also good because then you have other stuff that they'll pick. Now let's talk about the, the so big So there's boys. two, two uh, cards that give 
god tier deployment advantage. And I think that these are by far the two best objectives for second player. Um, Period. Superior positions and Solar Corona basically both say the first player must deploy all ships and squadrons before the second player. That sentence alone can can win you a game. Forget all the other rules that come along with these cards. Putting that as an option um, is unbelievable. Can be terrifying to come up against. It's so 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 strong. Um, there are good players who know how to deploy against this, but there are players who will collapse under the weight of not knowing where your stuff is going to be. Yeah. We should talk about, by the way, how to deploy against this in a second. Um, superior positions also is like special rule. If your squadron or ship attacks the rear hull zone you, and it suffers a damage, you get a victory token. That's not even just card damage. That's shield damage as well. So superior positions is crazy. Deploy as much as you can behind them. Um, and then solar corona, um, you also choose a board edge to be basically a, sh a shining light that if any attack is coming toward that direction, you lose an accuracy. So whichever side you pick, um, let's say that the the enemy deploys on the left-hand side of the board, you deploy on the right-hand side of the board and put the corona on the right-hand side of the board. That way, as they're trying to shoot you, they're losing accuracies and, and you're not, right? Yeah. Now, any time that you're at a deployment disadvantage, and I'll say especially in the cases of superior positions in solar corona, there is, there is the way to deal with it, mm -hmm. right? There is a go-to, if you don't know how to deploy because their list is doing something nuts, or your objective that you picked or they picked is spooky for you, right? Your first player, and you get, you know you picked superior positions because you had too many drinks. Well, and also, like a lot of deploying is ship knowledge and game knowledge and having time and playing dozens of games. If you're new, sure, and you don't really know where to place your ships, like, all right, when do I go? When do I put my Corvette like really far on the right so it can hook in? How do you deploy? when you're running up against ships you've never played against? You deploy, I'm gonna tell you. I mean, like I know, I know you board. know. You deploy in the middle of the board, yeah. You deploy in the middle of the board with all of your ships close together, but not so close that they bump. And one way to tell is um, if you take the size bases of ships that you're using, so like medium or small, right, like whatever, um, small base ship, and you, you do like a one maneuver with the like one click in the maneuver tool and you see how far out its ass sticks, make sure that that doesn't hit the next ship over. Like that's kind of about how far apart they should be and basically no farther apart than yeah, that. Yeah, it's kind of more difficult to tell with like larger ships, but uh, a good rule of thumb is uh, your ship should be no more than distance three away from another ship. That's that's kind of how, how close together it should be. If they're any further, then it's, it's too far. And what that does, especially deploying in the middle, you know, you can get a solar corona against you, you can get a superior positions against you, but by deploying in the middle, what you do is you force your opponent into an awkward decision, which a lot of this game is about forcing hard decisions for your enemy. If they solar corona, I would say that doesn't and work. You for deploy solar in the corona. middle. Well, it's gonna work for it. It, it can't work any worse. That right? is true. Like, this is the best possible spot for you to deploy in let's say it's superior positions they want to shoot your butt you deploy in the middle all your ships pointed forward how do they get to your butt they have to either pick a side or joust you come straight mm -hmm. across or 
try to like come around both sides, which is actually the trap and how they that that's how they lose the game. But none of those give you a disadvantage, right? Your fleets, you basically have canceled out superior positions for the first three or four rounds, you know, until they start shooting at your butt, maybe as your ships cross each other. But it it lets your ships play on even footing when they were not designed to with this objective. Yeah. Like yeah, and, and I think for for a lot of these, like what you'll see is, you know, especially you do this really well is when you deploy, you deploy your ships together, right? What you want to do is have all of your ships attacking the same target on the same turn, so it dies. Brace tokens are really only good if your ship is getting shot at two to you know one to three times a turn. If your ship is getting shot at four or more times on a single turn, your brace tokens suddenly are disappearing. They're going away. You're losing them yeah because you can normally take like one full hit you know you, you'll be like all right i won't use my brace for this but if you're taking two more after that the brace is going to disappear yep i would just say never pick solar corona just never pick solar corona it's never good you you mean never pick it as in never pick it as first player if you're first when it's player one of the cards in the pool never pick solar corona because here's what happens you lose all your deployment advantage no matter how many ships you have, few or many, you place you, all your ships in the middle like we were talking about. Then they put their ships on one side, choose the Corona yep. on the side they're on. They come at you, they turn in. Now you can't use really accuracies at all. You have to discard an accuracy icon, which is awful. And the best, the best outcome for solo Corona for first player is like a 6-5. You can't smash because you can't turn off their braces. That's yeah. the best possible scenario. And just don't go into games planning for a tie. So it's always better to pick a, a worse feeling objective, like um, Contested Outpost, or like I would even pick Opening Salvo over Solar Corona because at least there's, there's some variance there. But Solar Corona is just it's too devastating to first player. And even if first player does really well, the best they get is like a 6-5. You can't smash with this. Yeah. Um, and I think to recap deployment, try to have four plus ships, seven or eight deployments, four to six activations, I would say high on the higher end of that. Do, do you want to talk a little bit about activation advantage, or do you want to save that for another day I think we might have to say that for another day like goddamn, i didn't realize it would take because we we have every portion of setup obstacles even now like talking about setting speed dials we haven't got to any of that shit so you're yeah. right I, I think we have to to split this up yeah thanks for your great question bill we're gonna talk about activation next week yeah we had a lot more to talk about but uh Good luck at deploying your fleet um, in your next battle, and let us know how it goes. When in doubt, deploy center field. Yep. Speed two to victory. All right. Next um, so in our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the future of Armada. Um, you know, we have Clone Wars coming out. I know we've talked a lot about all the different Clone Wars content that they've spoiled so far. Um, and today we wanted to speculate a little bit about the card changes that are coming along with Clone Wars. One of the things that they mentioned was changing the point cost of cards 
to make them more relevant in the game, especially for some of the stuff that was released really early, was maybe overpriced. And one of the examples that they gave was the Leia Commander being reduced from 38 points to 28 points. So we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, looking at all the commanders that are in the game right now, are there any others that, you know, might get this blessing from FFG of some sort of change in their point value? Um, you know, which commanders are overcosted, and and how how much should they cost to be relevant for their for their ability? Do you have any that stand out to you? I mean, other than Leia, because that was one of the, like the most obscene like pricings like she was dead before she hit the ground they priced her the same as admiral akbar and it's honestly like you just read the card and then you're like okay but for 38 points you just take akbar and you're it's always better tied for the most expensive commanders in the game there are three commanders at 38 points and only one of them deserves it <laughs> yeah honestly it's it's pretty pretty damning and also i feel like um because based on the in-flight report that ffg gave the way they they were talking about these these cards changes is that a lot of cards i think they said like 18 percent of them are getting point reductions or point changes and they said that a lot of them are getting reduced points and a couple might be going up and uh certain yeah errata will obviously be updated but obviously things like yeah. xi7 that's not its um errata right now or faq that's like a completely right. different alteration of the card so i think there might be some other changes to to commanders to make them a little like fit a little better in armada 1.5 where they're going and i think there are a couple commanders that really stand out and I'm looking at you, General Riken. I think you're changing in the future. They've changed him so many times. I know, and that's why I think they're changing him again. They've changed him so much. He's like a, the Frankenstein's monster of the Rebel Commanders. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like his, his ability, no matter how much you nerf it, is too good. It's just yeah. you, you just don't destroy a ship for the whole round. And it still gets and to it still activate. Gets to act yeah. Unbelievable. It's just something it's, that should be changed. It gets to be a zombie ship that blocks all of your stuff. Every you know, Can't be removed round, from play. Every round. Yeah, five times, basically, because nothing's dying yeah. turn one, right? My, you know, not to rag on Riken, because, every, you know, everyone's well aware of the fact that probably the most busted commander in the game one of probably the most busted card ever printed in this game in its original state because it wasn't once <laughs> per round at the start of it it was not once per round dude it was like nothing dies until one turn later so which bullshit. was right it was yeah disgusting um but it, you know reckons won multiple world championships right like it's a, it's a great card it's just not a card that i'm super interested in playing anymore like I've played my fair share of Riken. Yeah, he keeps stuff alive. It's insanely strong. It just, for me, doesn't give a flavor to a list like a Sato does or an Akbar does that makes me super like excited to fly him. It's just like, this is the Admiral you put on your list when you want to like 
win a game, <laughs> I guess. So yeah, if we're looking at ships or commanders whose point cost would change, right? I mean, there, Garm is <laughs> like he's twenty five points, but do people seriously play it? I've seen a bunch of Garm lists, at the start of the first like and fifth round. Each friendly ship may gain a number of command tokens equal to its command value. Like, get a bunch of command tokens. Okay, Th this is also one of those cards, though, that, like, maybe just Armada's changes going into the future will emphasize command tokens in a way that having an additional, you know, three, you know, no, 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 or stop, four. Stop, stop, uh, stop, stop, stop. Stop, just stop. What? Because it's at the start of the first round. That's nice. Okay, and then there's the second round. So now I've already got two command tokens on my ship. Okay, why is Garm there? Right. Okay, he's going to give me one additional command token. What is that going to be? Engineering? Squadron? I don't have squadron. Garm wants to be on ships that have four command value. Like a Starhawk? That's the only one that has four command for rebels. Are you going to put Garm? No. 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 All the MC-80s have Did four command, really? Boomer. I thought they had three. Yeah. Why did no. I have so much command? I think even the Assault Frigate has four command. Or no, three command. That one does have three no, command. No, no, they all have three command. Oh, 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 oh. Command yeah, value. What were, you, what were you thinking? Wow. Three. They all have three. Yes. What were You're you right. thinking, though? I was thinking of some engineering. Engineering value. I was like, what? I was thinking of engineering. I was like, yeah, they all have four. It's like so, so, so stupid. Um, anyway, I think he's overcosted. No, no. I think. For 25 points. I don't think he's overcosted. I think his um, text is going to change, if at all, or they just want to put this guy in the ground. Because if we take a look at, like, um, in the Empire, General Tag, he's got the same cost and does a similar ability. At the start of the third round and the fifth round, uh, each friendly ship can recover one of its discarded defense tokens. I'm not, I'm not trying to say how wildly better that is than Garm. But I think changing... It's wildly better. It is wildly better. That's not, not what I'm saying. If just changing when he activates would make him better. You think like the third and fifth round, he would suddenly be a better card? Yes. Intensely. Yeah, I agree. Because the third round is like when you want your ship to be at its peak strength, right? Because it makes him more flexible. Like if you're going into the third round and you're like, I've already taken some damage. I need an engineering token to get... A shield back right or if you're out of position now you need a nav to go down or up he's better right. i agree obviously you'll already have those tokens from the first round but right. you could have spent the tokens you would have gotten just by going forward one round one and banking a token and then round two banking a token so it's yeah you could have used those tokens for commands for something else and then go into turn three and then get flooded with tokens concentrate fire squadron engineering now at, at the start of turn three you can activate a squadron if you need one if, if one is close it's just it's just terrible that it's the first round it's, it's really terrible and fifth round is kind of awkward because like that's when a lot of shit is died and like spread out but what can you say Third and fourth, or second and fourth, or th and and then third and fifth. Those are like I would say that in terms of tiers, like three four is best, then two four, then three five. 
if yeah, they wanted to change when it happened. If they just changed it to at the start of the third round, he's like immediately better and like just an intensely flexible commander. Yeah. That I think would be really cool to run on like some some big ships. Speaking of command token commanders, Moff Tarkin, 38 points for one command token per ship every round. This is also intensely overcosted. This this is the worst example of a card that is printed too early. Yeah. He he was like the core set commander, right? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. And he wasn't even good then. Right. Like, it's just everyone just took Vader. It's just not enough of a power spike. It to does get not one this, command this card token says spend thirty eight points, do nothing. There you go. Do nothing. <laughs> Gains yeah. a command token? What is it? One? Like, how is That's this compared? That's the whole like... commander ability for almost 40 points? Right. That's like a, a fucking architect. <laughs> That's like a fucking architect. That is for sure almost a raider. Yeah, it's like one point shy of a raider, right? Yeah. It, compared like... to Screed, which came out really early in the game as well, Screed immediately became the only commander that Imperials wanted to fly because they just got... 12 extra points in their list that they could never have before and it just yeah. says you can change a die to a face with a crit icon like in, like that's just a benefit and they get 12 extra points in their list compared to Tarkin it's like he, Tarkin, he needs I something feel needs, he needs the works he needs to be reduced and he, he needs, needs to be a new card ability. he needs to be a new card yeah he needs to be a new card um, those and, and it's sad because those two commanders were like very early in the game and just the game is not the same pace that it was before. Mm -hmm. And in the case of, of these guys, like they There's were... just more space for abilities. Like it doesn't just have to be get a command token, you know? It's Right, exactly. Who else do you think deserves to be recosted here? Admiral Constantine. He needs to be zero points and he needs to be in a different game. At the start of the status, uh, at the start of each status phase, for each enemy ship at distance one to five of at least, oh my god, there's just too many conditions, right? Uh, <laughs> a, it, for each enemy ship within distance five of at least two friendly, medium, or large ships, not small, fuck small ships, you may increase or decrease. <laughs> you may increase or decrease that ship's speed by one to a minimum speed of one. Uh, okay, so the problem with this is. It's incredibly constricting to your fleet building. Like, you have to have... Like, you don't want to have any small ships with this list. Because a small no, no, ship no doesn't small trigger ships. Constantine. So you don't get any deployment or activation advantage. Alright, you want to have, like, an Interdictor and an ISD, right? That's, like, the wet dream of the person who, like, designed this card. It's, like, Interdictor, ISD, and then, like, they're two friendly, medium, or large ships... And then you get a ship that's in distance five of both of them because, like, somehow someone wanders into the, the like the double arc, and not like the double arc of the ISD, like the front arc of the ISD and the front arc of the interdictor simultaneously, right? Like, they just wandered their ship there, and instead of just killing it that turn, which is normally what would happen there, uh, you're gonna first slow it, <laughs> slow it down by one speed. It, it just is like okay, now you get to be slowed, and it's like all right, I wasn't getting yeah. out of it anyway. It's like. The big, if the big there, problem with Constantine also is that when I put my fleet down and I see that you have Constantine, I just stack nav commands on all of my token, all of my na command dials, 
and Constantine now says, pay 23 points to do nothing. Yeah, and and also like like when it does work, like I've talked to Tim about this card, and yeah, and obviously he runs obnoxious lists sometimes, and some jank. He shit, says like for sure. when it does work, it's just not fun for the other player. You just feel like an asshole. You just feel like an asshole. <laughs> yeah, because you just get to park all their ships, and then it's like, it's just, it's just a feels bad card. It is too restrictive for list building. And, like, if you look at Admiral Constantine and you have also been aware of the Grand Admiral Mahdi and don't take Mahdi over Constantine. Why'd you call him Grand Admiral? First of all, Mahdi's only a Grand Admiral in your heart, dude. It's not, he's just a regular Admiral. But first of all, Mahdi, like, speaking of fun commanders, Mahdi is a fucking fun commander, right? He's <laughs> like, so good. I've got some thick cheeks on these ISDs. You'll never <laughs> kill them hilarious right like ah uh, yeah i know you did 11 damage you still need to do three more damage and you're like oh, how but how you're, you're missing you're missing the the, the icing on the cake yeah. is you put Mahdi in your list he's a very cheap commander one of the cheaper ones you run isds with him you get to turn five your opponent's been asking you the entire game how many more damage cards on that ISD. Because they can't calculate like, that high. You, you've, got, you've got six damage, man. They do another shot. They're like, yes, I got him. I did the 11 damage. And then you're like, yeah, but I've got money. You need to do three more damage. <laughs> and then you uh, get to see their soul drop to the floor. Right, because by turn five, these ISDs have torn through an entire fleet. And... and is it too cheesy to put RBDs on ISDs with Mahdi? I mean, if you, I don't know who would play with you. You'd probably get to play that list once. <laughs> it's like, I got 17 effective health points on my ISDs. Uh, they're basically Super Star Destroyers at this point. Um, <laughs> and like, if you're dying. banking in engineering commands like after turn 3, it's like, okay, now you have to do an incredible amount of damage. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just hilarious. He... And, and you're just you're going to tell me you're not going to pay that one point to have just a more fun game yeah. than Admiral Constantine? It's like, no, you're not going to do that. No. You're just an asshole if you run Constantine, like, trying to get him to work and just repositioning all your ships so that you can get the reduce their speed by one. Okay, that's great, dude. God help us if they reduce Darth Vader's point cost. It doesn't need to be any cheaper. Darth Vader, yeah, I don't know. If we're talking about I, Vader now, I don't know. I, I, I would love to see a small change in the price on Mothma, like to something in the mid-20s. The problem with Mothma is she wants to be run on, like, small ships, like a lot of them, yeah. but yeah. she's, like, too expensive. Right. So, like, if she was, like, 24 or 26, like, then I'm like, okay, like, that's, like, a more, like, the Empire just has a bunch of commanders that are, like, 20, 22, 24, 23, 26, 25. And like the Rumbles are just like, apart from Dodonna and, and now Krista, right, who's 20, it's like 30, 30, 30, 30. Yeah, see, that's, that's the problem with all the Rebel Commanders is Dodonna and Krista. Yeah. They're too good for too few points. Yeah. They are really way too good. Krista should be more expensive. Don't she should be that. 25 points. Oh, fuck you. 20, like... She should be 20 points if it, her card only said after deploy, you deploy, you gain one non-scatter defense token. 
that's worth 20 points. The, the thing with Krista is she only affects that one ship, though. She's basically a, an officer card, which takes away your ability to have a commander for the rest of your fleet. Uh, uh, see, no. Like, com it's compared to not. the... Do I don't think Dodonna is under-costed, but he says every time an enemy ship is dealt a face-up damage card, that's not when you deal damage. That is like, I ran over an obstacle. You know? I know, that's that's You get to take a look at four cards and pick the most hateful shit you can find in those four <laughs> cards every fucking time. Like, that's 20 points. If that's the standard, if that's the baseline, Krista's fine. It's Mothma well, that's overpriced. Well, don't, get me wrong. don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Dodonna is overcosted. I'm saying that all the other rebel commanders are worse because Dodonna and Krista exist at their current cost. Well, they're worse because they're too expensive. Like, like I think Sato's fine. I think Radis is fine. I actually think Akbar's fine. Maybe... I think Radis is fine because he got changed, so he has a higher distance that you can uh, hyperspace in. Right, yeah, he's fine. Maydeen, I think, could be cheaper. Kraken could be cheaper. Mothma could be cheaper. Riken could burn in hell because he's insane. But yeah, <laughs> there's like yeah, there's like three rebel commanders that I think like Maydeen and Kraken. Like Kraken's like I've never seen someone run Kraken. Like what the like, fuck? People fly Kraken. It's good against like MSU, right? Like like wait, while a friendly ship is a, is defending. If your ship is at speed three or higher, then the attack is obstructed. So it's like you want to run a bunch of small, fast ships, and they, the enemy loses dice. But the yeah, meta but right like, now if is if you're taking too... Kraken, just spend the four points and get Mothma. It's better. You know, I I I kind of agree with you, but yeah, Kraken just forces down your throat this going super fast thing. Which isn't always really what you want to do, and Nav is so important that he shouldn't be so expensive. Okay, so let's go down the list of rebel commanders because we're almost at the end of the rebels before we oh get God. back to start talking about the empire. Is Akbar too expensive, or is no. he? No, he's perfect right where he's right. Yeah, he's great. I would honestly make him forty points. No, get away from you. There's no commanders forty points. Leave the game. Unplug. <laughs> uninstall. Radis is fine. Sato is fine. Garm needs not. text changes, and, and then I think he's good. Kraken needs to be cheaper or better. He's okay, I guess. Dodonna is fine. Maydeen is a little too expensive, like, compared to a what 30 point. What would you put him at? Like, 28? 25? So, like, is there an Imperial commander? There is. Okay, compare him to Ozl, right? While a friendly ship results a nav command, it may change its speed by an additional one, right? Maydeen, when a friendly no, no, no. ship... We don't, com we don't, command, we don't uh, compare Maydeen with Ozzel. We compare Maydeen with Jer Gerard. No, 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 no. No. Fine, we can, but, but the point is valid either way. Maydeen is, when a friendly ship resolves a nav command, it may, if it's spent a nav dial, it may increase its yaw, or if it's spent a token, it can change its speed or increase its yaw by one, right? So Maydeen's adding yaw. I see what you're saying, where, like... Well, like, Ozzel's adding speed, and, you know, Maiden's adding yaw, and Jerodrod is adding yaw, but Jerodrod has this negative cost of doing damage to your own ship, whereas Ozzel does, um, does, there's no negative to it, it's just, when you nav, you get bonus. Maiden is, when you nav, you get bonus. I guess this is because FFG considers yaw changes worth 50% better than speed changes, 
but I do not. <laughs> well, well. also, when you're resolving Maydean, you already have that effect. So, you already have speed change. But not extra yaw, or not extra speed change. This guy has extra speed change on Ozzel. Yeah, Ozzel, I don't think he's very good, though. Well, Ozzel's only 20 points and Maydean is 30, so what does that tell you? Uh, probably maybe he needs to be changed a little bit. <laughs> he needs to be cheaper, goddammit. Riken is fine. He, I mean, he's not fine, but he doesn't need to be cheaper. Krista is plenty cheap. Leia, we already know, is going down to 28, which I still think is, like, borderline. Moth Leia, needs to be Leia cheaper. Leia would be better if you actually got a command token. As opposed to as if it spent a command token? Exactly. Like, why? Why can't I have command tokens? Well, Leia's going on one command and two command ships anyway, so it doesn't really, like... Maybe you want to keep one or something. No. I don't know. They're I don't at think a... she's going to be worth anything. I think she's going to be... I think people are going to fly her. I think I might fly her at 28 points and see what happens. But Mothma, like, could be really, really cool with, like, an evade token fleet. She's just, like, doubling the price of whatever ship you put it on. So it makes it kind of, like, like a, a yikes to fly her, right? Like... A commander yeah. that expensive wants to be on like a 70 or 80 point ship at least, so it feels more safe. Uh, and like you can't do that with her. Now she's so defensive that the trick is like if you undercost her, then suddenly like there's god fleets of CR90s and MC30s that cannot be killed. And like I get that also, but yeah, yeah. it would be cool if she was cheaper because what would be I, a good I, price for her? Like like 28, 26, 26, 26. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking mm -hmm. that too. Okay, so so back back to the Empire. Jesus. Well, we've done Constantine, we've done Mahdi, we've done Ozil, right? I'm just looking at Admiral Piet, and I'm like, I don't know what you're for, man. When a friendly ship spends only a, only a command token, you can exhaust. If you do, the ship resolves the command as if it had spent a dial of the same type instead. So, like, there is some interesting ideas behind Piet, like, you know, maybe a, I bank a, a, a squadron command token on a Quasar to later activate it and something else and, like, get the get the dial, like, you're saving the dial for later, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like, like a, a flexible Thrawn, where Thrawn you have to set all the dials at the beginning with Piet on turn one like you could bank the tokens that you think you might want to use as commands later Piet I don't know. is a I, is, I, I feel like Piet needs to have additional text that says if you're running an SSD and no other ships that can attack you can use this card it's not for any other fleets the problem with Piet I think is that his effectiveness goes down the better you are at playing the game. Because if you're if you're good at placing your command dials and knowing what turn you're going to need which dial, he becomes less of like a, ooh, you know? Well, he's, he's like a double dial commander, like Thrawn. So he like increases the effectiveness. But yeah. he is the reverse of Thrawn, where Thrawn's effectiveness increases the more ships you have. Piet's effectiveness goes down the more ships you have. So so read Admiral Piet as if you're running an SSD and that's the only ship that will do damage, you can run this card in your list. 
Any other lists don't take... I, I think he's fine. Like, what is he supposed to be? Cheaper than 20 points? Like, no commander is cheaper than 20 points. No, I'm just looking at him and I'm like, ah, I don't know what to, to think yeah. about. You know, like, run him on your SSD and get more I think upgrades. very little about him. He's very boring. Uh, he's, Screed, he's a, I think, is... boring card. Screed is fine at 26. Sloan, I think, is fine. Yeah, Sloan is fine. Vader cannot go down in price. Vader uh, absolutely cannot go down. If he goes down, there's like... I would I would hesitate to reduce his points by two, like reducing Vader by two points is like a disaster. Do you think Palpatine is too expensive? Yeah, he's too expensive. No one ever plays him. I feel like he's just not good. It's is it like, just because people avoid using the defense token that you flip over that turn? Yeah, it's just like it gives the opponent too much like control. It's like okay, I can't use my brace. All right, you have one ship that attacks. Okay. Yeah. Now that they added Salvo, I guess he gets five defense tokens on him, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, but, I mean, that's not very good. I feel like it could be so good. It's such an interesting design, right? It's like, I've predicted what you're going to do, and you will be punished for it. It's very Palpatine. Yeah. Do you think, like, 30 points? 32 points? 30. Yeah, because the opponent also gets to spend it. They get the benefit of it still, right? Yeah, like like if they... Yeah, they still get to spend it. That's why it's not good. He's a commander who exists in a game that moves at a slower pace than Armada currently Actually, moves like, if, if I was changing Palpatine, I would keep his point cost the same and say, once per round... You can, um, while you're attacking, you can discard a, a brace token, like like I always says at the start. So at, at the start of of the phase or the ship phase, discard one of the tokens. Then, mm -hmm. while you're attacking, you can uh, select a, a defense token that has been used and cancel that effect. Once per round. Once per round. So instead of making them discard it, you're just canceling the effect of one usage. So you're making him basically one accuracy die per round. Yeah. One extra one. For whatever command uh, or defense token you used. Why don't you just simplify the text incredibly and say, once per round, you may add one accuracy die to your attack pool. I mean, that's a lot less complicated, but then you can't... There's not the um, placing each defense token and only being able to right, do right. that once. It, it becomes flavor-wise a lot different. But you get the benefit of saying, no, you can't do this thing now. Um, I think like flavor-wise, there's like the whole Emperor Palpatine prediction thing going into it that's cool. Yeah. But the problem is that there's no... You, you, don't, you could run this and it just not work the whole game. You right. discard the token... And then they just don't care. They just don't spend. They're the, like, okay, the... you targeted my redirect. I'll brace, and there you go. Yeah, really. There's only one turn that matters, which is the turn that you discard your brace. <laughs> like that's the turn that really matters, right? If you do, you need okay, to do maximum this, damage that turn. Maybe he would be good if you have a ship that can generate a lot of accuracies, like an H nine mm. kind of list. You accuracy, but see again, it's like. You have to do it at the start of the ship phase. He has weird timing. 
that I don't think is very good. I've never seen someone play him. even make a list with him, let Same. alone play it. Same. General Ramadi. This is the obstruction guy. He's the reverse yeah. obstruction guy, right? He's like, when yeah. shit's obstructed, add a die. Boom. Crazy. I think he's this... a little too cheap. I've never seen anyone fly this guy. Like, wow, yeah. look at this crazy Ramadi list. Uh, I, but I feel like he could be cool. I just think that... Spoiler alert. He's in the um, updated Red October list. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like... Is that just because you you were obstructed last round and you didn't want to be? <laughs> like, no, it's, it's there's so I, many I, shots. I'm... Like, it's ingrained in every player to like not be obstructed when they're shooting. You know, like, and if I guess you can build a list and like intentionally obstruct your attacks. Like, but the other player has the agency to stack the obstacles in the corner and deploy away from them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, so I don't, I don't he's know. fine being he, cheap. He seems, he's fine. He seems really cheap, though. Like, is he Ozzel cheap if he can add red dice? I don't know. Red dice suck. General Tag is. I, I don't like this card. I think it's awful. Well, we talked about him a little bit before. At the start of the third and fifth round, each friendly ship may recover one of his discarded defense tokens. Uh, he's fine, I guess. I would reduce his. I would make him 20 points. I think he could. I think he's fine. He's just boring. Like th there's no specific list that like I'm like inspired to play because I have tag. Just like, oh, your list that's pretty tanky. Like let's make it more tanky. Something I found though is like eventually recovering more and more defense tokens does not actually translate to that many more effective hit points. Like because Especially you're gonna in the fifth round. Yeah. Ugh. Even if I brace every single shot, my ship will eventually die. Yeah. Right. Like, yes, he adds effective hit points to your ship. But they're not immortal. Like, I was trying to come up with a cool list that used General Tag, but General Tag and Salvo. So it, it comes in speeding at speed three with ISDs, and just just discard them, just burn them out, burn all yeah. the salvos before turn three. But the problem is like, at the start of the third round, is normally when the shooting starts. Yep. So like, how do you get your ships there sooner? Fleet ambush, lol. You would have to be like second player, fleet ambush, and dude. fleet ambush, surprise attack, shit. No, you need to be first player. They need to have brought fleet ambush, and then you need to pick it. Then you happen to have tag with two ISDs. One of them's Avenger, and you're like deploying. Wow, so hard. And you just start like pounding away at them, and then turn three, you're like, yeah, I need my salvo back. This is not good, because even then, you're taking the brace back, right? Like, you're taking the brace back. It's fucking... I don't know. I, I like the idea of running tag with Salvo. Uh, Thrawn, I think, is fine where it. he is. They've already Thrawn said they're not changing the price. Yeah, they're not changing him. I don't think... Tarkin, we've already said, needs to be a completely different card. And that brings us to Jerry, who is everyone's favorite commander. The Grand Admiral Moff Jerjerod. Supreme Leader Moff Jerjerod. This is another one of those those commander cards that is just so amazingly good that his his value cannot be calculated if he was a rebel commander he would be 38 points <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh shit dude during a friendly ship's determined course step and may suffer one damage to change the first yaw value of its current speed to two until the end of it honestly if like, you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what Moff Jarrod does you probably haven't ever played a game 
No, that's not true. That's There's true. lots of rebel players out there who haven't seen anyone like do a do a pop a wheelie on an ISD. No, no, no. Or or the the dirty three speed ISD inside turn. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Jerry basically lets you double click on turn one, going three speed at an ISD allows you to put it on the inside, cut a corner really hard, and nobody expects an ISD to turn like that, and you're suddenly just like yeeted yourself into someone's face and just nuclear option them next yeah, turn. Yeah, because they're like, oh, what speed are you going? You're like, speed three. But no, Jerry says you can do like a 0.5 speed pivot on your ISD. Yeah. He's silly it's good. Incredible. He's silly good. And it costs you like one engineering command by the end of the game worth of shields, you know? An engineering token. Bank an engineering token. There you go, you get your shield back. <laughs> Honestly, when I first played him, I was like, he must mean a damage card. Yeah. Because it's that good. Yeah, but it's but not. No. It's just a shield. Shields. Incredible. ISDs have lots of shields, so they're not that mad about it. And honestly, like, the problem with Piet is also because Jerjerod exists. Because, like, if I'm taking an SSD, I'm taking Jerjerod and not Piet. Like, obviously. So, I don't know. Well, you're not taking Piet for any reason, so. I mean, I would take him on an SSD. But I would only take him if Jerjerod like wasn't a card. If Jerjerod was a rebel commander, it would be thirty-six points. You just said that, and you said thirty-eight. How did he go down by two points already? Oh, did I say that already? You, are, you said that exact phrase, but you said thirty-eight <laughs> points. I just didn't want to pick the same number I already picked. I you, wanted a new number. You said the same thing you already said. So really, not a lot of commander changes that I think. I think a couple of them need text changes and or like different rules but not a lot of points changes for the ones that already exist which i feel like is is how a lot of the commanders will pan out i agree but yeah tarkin for sure is going to get some kind of change he's just god awful unusable as he is right now okay what are we flying next <sighs> we're filming some games this saturday what are we flying what are you taking Plea of Justice might come back for one more run. Yeah. But, um... Part of me also wants to fly a Dodonalist. Mm -hmm. Crit that the shit really out good. of you. Crit, 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 you know? Um, yeah. I was inspired by the draw of the MC30 last game to say, well, what if I could pick that shit every time? Yeah. So, I'm thinking about a couple of things. Yeah. What about you? I am taking an SSD. I'm bringing an SSD next time. Bro, don't don't fly that thing. I'm gonna. It's gonna smash your face. It's not gonna shoot. It's gonna shoot, man. See, see, here's the thing. I've got an SSD with one, two, three, four deployments, mm. and first player. Probably. Is <laughs> it like three sixty or something ridiculous? <laughs> it's not that ridiculous. I don't I don't bid more than sixteen points. Fair. We should probably have an episode where we're talking about the bid. I don't bid. I pay f I, I pack as many points on my list as possible, take second player and rack up 150 points of objectives. What if you bid for second? I think that's an option. Um nobody bids for second. <laughs> 
I don't think anybody bids for second, so I don't have to. Mm. Like, if somebody else was like, oh, I'm 399 and I want second player. Like, it's the first time that happens to me, I'll be like, damn, maybe I'll consider it. But most of the time, people bid for first just because they think the advantage is so, so strong. And it is so strong. But I like having to play with what I feel like is that disadvantage of being second and trying to make yeah. up for it with the way that I'm playing or the objective or how I'm how I'm flying around the board. You know? I just feel like you are more comfortable playing the game where you feel like you have more control over the flow of the game mm -hmm. because of your objective choices. Right, exactly. That's true. Yeah. Whereas first player has less control over the flow of the game and just wants to come in there and just start slugging. Makes me yeah. feel uncomfortable. That's, that's how I like to play the game. I just want to get in there and smash. Well, that's all I've got for today. Yeah, that, I mean, that's it. That's there's a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Thanks and, again uh, to uh, Bill for that suggestion. If you have any other uh, suggestions or, or topics you want to hear on the podcast, just uh, go to the YouTube channel and, and leave a comment in one of the episodes. We'll see it. Yep. All right. Well, have a good one.